Welcome to Console Corner. Thanks for joining us here at EMEGCAST, Dr. Help. Um, I, I would just like to start off by asking you, what is your role here in the hospital? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Connor. And I, I just want to say I think this is a great idea that you've got here. Um, so I am the director of the psychiatry consult service, and so my role in the emergency department is that if there are patients who are in the ED and uh, essentially there are two criteria. If there's concerns uh, about an appropriate disposition for the patient as far as that medical decision making, uh, that's one of the roles we play in the ED. And the second role that we play is if a patient is having behavioral issues that are not responding to the established uh, emergency department psychiatric PRN list. So. There's just some radio button checkboxes that you can uh, use to uh, uh, order officially approved, so to speak, uh, vetted, uh, um, essentially behavioral rescue med strategies. And if those strategies that um, everybody thinks are a reasonable idea uh, in general are not working for your particular patient, that's the second reason that we get called to the emergency department. Okay. Um, so, what are the type of patients that we see in the ER that you feel it's appropriate to um, be consulting the psych department for? Right. And so, of course, there are these two specific reasons for officially consulting psychiatry in the emergency department, and, and that's part of the, the ED's policy. But I would point out that one of the, one of the benefits of having um, all the services of a tertiary care hospital here during your training process is that we are always happy to answer questions. So it doesn't have to be an official consult. Um, you know, during the uh, daytime hours, Monday through Friday, when our, our full consult team is here, I am completely happy to get on the phone and just help somebody think about a patient or nine times out of 10 say, yes, you're thinking about this correctly. So that would be um, um, kind of the other more broad category, which is, Basically, we're, we're here to help everyone get the best education they can as they move forward. Okay. Um, sounds good. So what are some common mistakes that you see ER docs making that you would like um, trainees to kind of know about and um, work around? Yeah. And I, 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 I wouldn't say mistake, but maybe um, oversight, because I, I would argue that when... When there's something that uh, a doc could have done differently, it is almost always related to um, uh, a limited interview with the patient or a limited review of the medical records uh, for the patient. So I would argue that psychiatry is one of the most oscillarian branches of medicine in the sense that you really depend on the patient describing their experiences to you and then filtering that patient's description through the lens that you create with your medical education to, to try to identify what the patient is telling you. But, but the second part of the equation is that, you know, of course, a lot of times patients who have a, a major mental illness, when they're talking to you, they might not be able to do a very good job of describing. And of course, 
sometimes the way they have trouble describing can be diagnostic for us. But that's also why it's so important to get collateral information from the chart, from family members that may be in the waiting room. Um, I think the other excellent source of collateral information in this emergency department is the social work team. So uh, maybe that's the other oversight that I see occasionally is that uh, um, a question is asked that is already um, been asked and answered, so to speak, by the emergency department social workers. So uh, occasionally um, somebody uh, you know, new to the OHSUED doesn't realize what a comprehensive job the psychiatric social workers are doing. And really, it, it kind of in some ways falls to them to provide the continuity of care for uh, um, patients in the emergency department, especially those with um, significant psychiatric needs, that they're the ones who are following the patient's course from shift to shift, day to day, unfortunately, in some circumstances. And a lot of times, uh, that can be an extremely efficient use of time, is to ask the ED social worker, what's the plan for patient X, Y, or Z? Okay. So just to kind of um, make that into three points, it sounds like get a good interview and listen to what the patient is mm -hmm. saying, do a thorough chart review and look at all the meds. That's really important. Mm -hmm. And then also get collateral information yeah. from social workers. Yeah. Okay. Um, what we talked about, we just talked about this a little bit, but what like history or exam or tests are really important to kind of have in front of us when we call you to make mm -hmm. sure that we can give you the appropriate amount of information. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're right. I think this builds exactly on, on what we were just talking about. Um, when I'm hearing about somebody for the first time, if I'm not able to sit there right in front of Epic while you're talking to me, it's really helpful for me to know, do we know this person? You know, so is this somebody where we've got a long history in Epic and, and maybe we already have a pretty good idea of what the situation is? Or is this somebody who has relocated recently or has been here a while, but for whatever reason has never come to psychiatric attention here at OHSU? So that kind of is the, uh, an important first bifurcation for me in the emergency department is knowing if we're dealing with uh, a known quantity or, or something that nobody's uh, encountered uh, as yet with this patient. Um, and then telling me, and then, you know, so going down those pathways, if it is somebody who's known to us, it's always helpful if you say, and you saw this gentleman in May, and at that time you thought this was going on, that a lot of times, all of a sudden I can actually see the person in my head, I'm like, oh yes, I know who you're talking about, yes, <laughs> you know, that, that ends up being a very efficient way to communicate information, uh, you know, or, or was seen by one of my colleagues, Dr. So-and-so, uh, versus if it's somebody who's new to the system, then uh, just letting us know what, uh, you know, what brought them to the emergency department, under what conditions, uh, so private vehicle, ambulance, or in the back of a police car. Those are kind of important distinctions for us to think about um, how serious somebody's symptoms are uh, from a psychiatric perspective. Uh, and then, uh, you know, continue to tell us the, the high points of what their behaviors have been in the emergency department, what their responses have been to, uh, for example, the one more, the uh, ED uh, psych PRN list. Uh, and then, of course, the specific question I can help you with, which usually is admit or discharge uh, or help he's tearing the emergency department apart, even with the PRN list. Um, but, of course, we fully recognize that the question may be something even more varied than that because life is complicated.
Um, so I was hoping you could tell me about a case, maybe one that you saw recently that really exemplified um, good use of consulting psychiatry or one that was maybe not such a good example of when an ER physician or trainee called you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's hard to think of a specific case, but when I think of the cases that really exemplify uh, how good it is for the patients and, and all the different branches of medicine in the emergency department when psychiatry is also available is um, in these unclear disposition situations. And the, the, the unclear disposition that I think is most important to get right is somebody who, let's going down that other pathway, is not known to us. We don't have a long history of psychiatric symptoms. We do have some clear psychi- uh, behavioral symptoms, symptoms referable to the brain that are occurring. Uh, this is the first time in this person's life it has happened. This person is probably relatively young, as I think through the scenario. And this is somebody who uh, could be either trying to, again, in, in a la William Osler, telling us that they're having some serious intracranial pathology versus nuanced psychopathology uh, versus um, a more general medical condition that's causing uh, changes in their behavior. These are the kind of situations where it can be really helpful to have psychiatric input if, if um, there's question about whether or not which organ system is involved. Because, of course, not all symptoms referable to the brain are brain-based. So we can be we can be helpful sometimes as far as uh, helping all the different branches understand what aspects of this presentation are consistent with the normal expected longitudinal course of a primary psychiatric illness versus what are aspects that are making us concerned that this is actually not a pure psychiatric patient. Um, is there anything else you want to add that you would like to tell future ER docs um, in terms of their relationship with psychiatry? Yeah, I think I would want... Um, uh, people that are training here at OHSU to uh, appreciate that uh, they've got a really nice um, situation with excellent social workers that are doing uh, really the lion's share of the assessment and um, assistance with disposition for psychopathology in in the emergency department. Um, So it's a great learning opportunity. And of course, I, I would add our consult team to that learning opportunity that just because you're not getting a formal consult doesn't mean that we're not happy to talk about a, a case. Um, I think related to that, if you are a student who's uh, interested in emergency medicine, when you're doing your psychiatry core rotation or if you're doing a psychiatry elective, I would use that opportunity with a psychiatrist to turn questions about patient presentations that are not necessarily in the emergency department, but say, if this gentleman was in the ED and it was 2 in the morning, what would be the appropriate initial management in the situation? Just to, to use that resource to think about what you might do if you don't have um, you know, the net, so to speak, of psychiatric consultation easily available and, and social work uh, in this emergency department. And I think related to that, the, the final thing I might mention to people that are thinking about going into emergency medicine, uh, or you know, if you're already in the emergency medicine program and you're thinking about where you want to um, um, pitch your tent, so to speak, is to think about how does that system of care that you're thinking about associating yourself with manage psychopathology, because um, it, 
can be extremely rewarding helping people with behavioral symptoms in the right environment. It can be extremely frustrating in the wrong environment. And the wrong environment, I would argue, would be one that doesn't provide adequate resources to support you. And as more and more um, ER docs have become kind of you know, deputized psychiatrists, so to speak, the more help that um, your system of care offers you, the, the more pleasant your job will be, and rewarding for that matter. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Howe, for coming on eMedCast. We really appreciate it, and thanks for giving us such good information. Okay. Again, thank you for doing this.